people who are traveling, who are out vacationing, because this is that first weekend after school. So just keep them in your prayers as they uh, travel and all that good stuff. That they'll have a wonderful time. And if any of you guys are traveling after today, we, we bless you to have a wonderful time with your family. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've already done through Jesus. And thank you for what we get to do with you and what you're doing through us. We open our hearts to receive your word for us today. And Lord, we choose to partner with you with what you're saying and what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way in our lives. Deal with us the way you see fit. And we choose to partner with you, submit to you, and walk with you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I, I'm so excited about this message. It, it's a continuation. Lisa started it a few weeks ago when she talked about loving God with your mind. Remember that? Those of you who are here, how we get to love God with our mind. We are invited and actually commanded by the Lord to love him with all of our mind. Because it says in Mark 12, 29 to 31, it says, Jesus answered, the guy asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered and said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then I, uh, I was going to share something the following week differently, but I felt the Lord's grace and encouragement to continue with that theme of loving God with our mind. And as I've been studying this and reading this, and Lisa and I have been talking about this these last number of weeks, I'm realizing that this is so important. This is like the game changer when it comes to not just our relationship with the Lord, but walking in the fullness of what he has for us, walking in the provision that he made available for us. A lot of it goes not utilized by us because of the way we think. And that has to change. We, you and I, want it to change. And so today, as I was, again, this week, planning on sharing something else, I felt like the Lord said, no, I want you to continue on that same thing. So last time I shared, I, I preached the message on changing the way you think, part one. Changing the way you think. And today is part two, changing the way you think. And we're going to talk about how to change the way you think. Amen? And so last time I shared a few truths, one is I said that uh, we get to love God with all of our mind, but actually we're commanded. And you know, when God commands us to do something, do you realize that that is for our benefit? Do you realize when we're commanded to do something, when whether we worship God or whether we're commanded to read his word or whatever, do you realize that we're not doing that to prop God up? Do you realize that? I mean, whether we obey him or not is not going to make God stronger or weaker. Are you with me? He's already, he's all sufficient. He has no needs. And so he, but he's inviting us into relationship. And it's like every time there's a command given to us, it is for our benefit. And if we would see it that way, it would change a lot of things. Instead of thinking that God's trying to spoil our fun or crimp our style or whatever, but we realize, man, when God tells me something, it's for my benefit. And when I obey, I get the benefits of his blessing. So the first truth is I am commanded to love God with all of my mind. The second truth I shared is I will be transformed if I change the way I think. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the pattern and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person 
by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So God is desiring to change us, to transform us. But that happens through when our thinking is changed. Now the Bible says in Proverbs uh, 23, 7, the first part of it, it says, For as a man thinks, so is he. As you think inside of you, so are you. And so if you're thinking is messed up, if your thinking is not healthy, if your thinking is, is negative and all that, that's how you are. That's how you're going to be. And you can change your thinking. You know, I heard something I'm learning. There's a lady called uh, Carolyn Leaf, Caroline or Carolyn Leaf, and she's a neuro something something. She's a smart lady, okay? She's a real smart lady. She's got all kinds of credentials, but my favorite credential about her is she's a follower of Jesus. She loves Jesus, and she's done all this research about the brain and everything, and, and she's sharing some amazing stuff. I would encourage you to Google, not Google, go on um, YouTube and type in Carolyn Leaf and look at her stuff. She has podcasts. I would encourage you to, to look at all that stuff. I've been listening to things. I even bought the, one of the books and started reading it yesterday, and it's just crazy, amazing stuff. And the cool thing about it, it's confirming Scripture. Science is catching up with Scripture. The Word says this, and then science says, well, I don't know about that. And all of a sudden, they do all this research and everything. They're like, oh, my goodness, did you know this and this and this? It's like, yeah, the Bible said that a long time ago. So she has a lot of research about the brain, about the mind that is amazing. And it's so crazy because it confirms the Scripture already says it. And so we just need to line up with what God's Word says. Another truth is I have powerful weapons available to me. I and you, you and I, let's say that, you and I are not helpless victims of our, our mental circumstances. We are not helpless victims, but we can do something about the way we think. And do you realize that, that, that science is figuring out that, because um, in the old school science, back in the day in the 80s and everything, if you had brain trauma or if you experienced certain kinds of trauma or had certain uh, disabilities or whatever, you could not do anything to change your brain. You were stuck with that. And your brain dictated how you thought. So if you had an unhealthy brain, then you were going to have unhealthy thoughts and you couldn't do anything about it. You just had to take medication, that kind of stuff. That is not true. Actually, you can change your brain. Science proves and is proven that you can change your brain. Now, I can't explain all that, so talk to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, and she'll explain that to you, okay? But you can change your brain by the way you think. And I have weapons, and the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I have the kind of weapons where I can bring every thought into obedience to Christ. Now, how many of us struggle with our thoughts where, where they just go out of control and, and you think, you know, like you find yourself in this pattern, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And oh my goodness, what about this? What about, and you just find yourself and your mind is just carrying you all over the place and you find yourself anxious and worrying and full of fear. Anybody, can, anybody know somebody who's dealing with that? 
And you can find yourself and feel like a helpless victim that you can't help it, but that's not true because the Bible says that we have powerful weapons and we can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Amen? We can do something about this, folks. You're not helpless. This fires me up. This fires me up because sometimes I'll find myself in a pattern of negative thoughts. Maybe it's towards a person. And every time I think about that person, I get all anxious and frustrated and my stomach starts to churn and, and all this. And you can't, and you wake up at night, middle of the night to use the bathroom and you can't go back to sleep because you're thinking about that person. And then you're awake for the next three hours. Then you got to get up and go to work and then you're tired. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you can't, it's like, what do I do? I can't break this pattern. We can, we can. And that's some of the amazing things that God has done in my life to where people who have, I have seen them or they see me as their enemies or whatever, I can have thoughts about them and have peace and have good thoughts about them and actually love them and have healthy thoughts and not be captive to negative thoughts and thought patterns. The next truth is what I meditate on is extremely important. What you meditate on is extremely important. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Now, check this out. Here's a command right here. Paul didn't say, hey, y'all might, if you get a chance, if you're in the mood, maybe possibly you might want to think about doing this. It's not what it says. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Or another translation says, set your mind on these things, Philippians 4.8. So whatever is good, lovely, noble, of good report, praiseworthy, meditate, set your mind on those things. Does your thinking pattern reflect that? Are you meditating on good things? See, right there, the Bible is full of amazing answers of how we can walk in freedom. In other words, sometimes we find ourselves playing a, a record over and over and over that's negative, whether it's a fearful thing. Like Lisa shared about, she used to have these fearful thoughts, what if my husband dies? What if he dies in a car accident? All this kind of stuff. She had that record playing over and over and over again. And the Lord began to help her with that. Basically changed the record. She had to bring those thoughts captive, bring them captive, and then change the record and begin to dwell on whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is good, whatever is pure, all that kind of thing. We can do this. What you meditate on will have a major impact on your emotions, your well-being, and your actions. Whatever you meditate on will have a major impact on your emotions, your well-being, and your actions. Do you realize that that one truth that that lady said, Carolyn Leaf said, is that we are wired for love. We are designed and created for love. We are wired for love, for peace, for joy, all those kinds of things. So when, <clears throat> and so that's why when our mind is meditating on wonderful things, peaceful things, God's love and everything, we flourish. But when we get on these negative patterns and these negative of fear and everything, our body begins to have all kinds of problems called stress, high blood pressure, heart problems, all those kinds of things. We're not designed for that. Our body is not designed to deal with the negative, fearful 
thoughts. The Bible says love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. Fear has, okay, I'm butchering the scripture, but it's in there somewhere. And it says something like this. Fear has torment. Fear has torment. But perfect love casts out fear. So when we dwell on fearful things and fearful situations, we're, we're, it's like we're partnering with the enemy and he's tormenting us. And all these, these anxieties and, and anxious disorders and all this kind of stuff, we can be free from this. Are you hearing me? And if you don't care about being free, maybe you can tell your neighbor they can be free. And then last time I shared a few things on how to change the way you think. How to change the way you think. And I shared four things. One, I'm kind of summarizing from last time. That's why I'm trying to hurry up. Because I want to get to, the day, to today's stuff. Number one, recognize when you're having a negative thought pattern. Sometimes we can have negative thought patterns and not even realize we're having a negative thought pattern. Because we're so used to it. It's so habitual. And so we need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you help me recognize when I'm in this negative thought pattern? So you got to recognize it. And then number two, you have to acknowledge it as sin. Because the Bible says, whatever is good, lovely, noble, set your mind, meditate on these things. And you're meditating on things that are fearful, destructive, anger, all that kind of stuff. That's not obeying God. Therefore, that is sin. We have to see it that way and treat it as such, not as, oh, well, it's just I'm, I'm only human. You know, when we say that, that's not true. I'm only human. Now, if you're not born again, you are only human. But the moment you're born again, the Bible says that his spirit comes and dwells in our spirit. We are a new creation, not just human anymore. I was, saying, I was talking to a guy the other day, and he, he kept saying, well, we're only human. We're only human. It's like, no, we're not. And this is a preacher guy that was saying this. And it's like he was given an excuse for how we typically act or react to things. Because he's saying, well, do you expect people to do that? And I said, I, I would hope so. The Bible says that they should do that. He's like, well, I'd be surprised. I mean, we're only human. Stop it already. Stop it. We need to be encouraging each other with what the truth of God's word says. Not with, I'm only human. So therefore, I'm going to be this way forever. If Jesus says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, then that doesn't mean I need to stay in, in bondage. He said, if you continue in my word, then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Right? Right? All right. So number one, recognize the sinful, the, the negative thought pattern. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Number two, acknowledge it as sin and repent of it. Number three, invite the Father into this process. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask the Father. Invite him into this. Father, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. Would you help me? Ask him. Invite him in. Ask him for wisdom. Then number four, apply the solution he gives you. We can't just agree with his word. We have to believe it in the midst of our battle. See, a lot of us agree with the word of God. A lot of you are agreeing with me right now. Amen, amen, amen. It's not just agreeing with it, but it's believing it. Amen? All right. Putting it into practice. Being doers of the word are the ones who are blessed. Are you with me? I'm sorry if I'm, I'm so fired up. I am so... 
This is the game changer. This is what's making a difference in my life, in my life. And I get so excited because I realize that we as believers, if we get a hold of this, this is where the change begins to happen. This is where the change happens. This is where the transformation happens. It's changing the way I think. So number four, apply the solution he gives you. And number five, and these are new ones today, um, share these. I'm going to share two. Number five and number six. We must come into agreement with God's truth concerning our situation. Whatever our situation is, our circumstances that we're dealing with, we have to come into agreement with God's truth. For us to come into agreement with the truth, we have to know what the truth is. For us to know what the truth is, we have to read the truth. <clears throat> For us to read the truth, we have to either open that app or open our Bible. Right? And, and hear me when I say this, not as condemnation, but as a challenge. We can't just, we can't, now we can survive, but we can't thrive off just reading daily little bread one verse a day. We can't thrive off of that. We cannot thrive. We have to read his word so that I know what God says about circumstances and situations. So we must come into agreement with God's truth concerning our situation. Number six, we must learn to reconceptualize the situation. That's a big word. I had to practice that one. (laughs) We must reconceptualize the situation. In other words, we need to see it from a different perspective. A lot of times we see our circumstances from our perspective or a human perspective or an earthly perspective. But do you realize that the Bible says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies? Do you guys realize that? That that's where we are positioned, that we are in the spirit. We are seated in heaven with Christ, which means we ought to be able to look down on the situation from God's perspective and see the situation. We have to see it differently than what we normally would be encouraged to see it. In 2004, I received a phone call from a missionary friend that was inviting me to go on the most dangerous missionary adventure that I had ever been on, even to this day. So we got the call. Lisa answered the phone. Well, she knew who it was. And she said, it's Barbara. She wants to speak to you. And then Lisa just stared at me the rest of the time when I was on the phone. Because she knew when Barbara calls, it's almost like those of you who watch Mission Impossible, it's like Ethan Hunt, if you choose this mission, kind of one of those things. You know, when always the missions were impossible, right? They were always impossible, but he always figured them out. And so Barbara was like the man calling Ethan Hunt, if you so choose this mission. So she called me and said, would you pray about going with me and a team to Iraq? And this is in 2004. And this was a, uh, she was inviting me to go with a small team to Iraq on a, in a, on a type of reconnaissance mission. The goal was to connect with and get to know missionaries serving in that country and learn how we could more effectively pray and support them. Can you play, show that picture, um, Noah? I want to kind of give you some background of what was going on in 2004 when I was going over there. This is called the Fallujah, 2004 Fallujah ambush. Now, it's very graphic. But those are two Americans that are hanging there that they killed. There were four, actually, and there's two of them pictured. When I saw this picture, they had this on CNN. You can go ahead and take it down. I don't want that to stay up there. When um, they showed that picture on CNN News, I was sitting in the airport in uh, Detroit, sitting in the airport, looking at the 
TV or the yeah TV and, and watching those images, realizing that's where I'm going. I'm going right there. That's where I'm going. The 2004 Fallujah ambush occurred on March 31st, 2004, when Iraqi insurgents attacked a convoy containing four American contractors from the private military company Blackwater USA who were conducting a delivery or food for food caterers. So Barbara was inviting me to attend her, go with her, to Iraq in 2004. <clears throat> now, in order for me to go, there's something I feel like the Lord put in my heart many, many years ago so I would know that he was wanting me to go on a particular mission trip. Two things had to occur. One is the Lord had to provide the finances. The finances had to be provided. That was the second one, actually. The first one was Lisa had to have total peace. If my wife did not have total peace for me to go anywhere, I didn't go. I saw that as God's will saying no to the trip or yes to the trip. And there were times when I wish I hadn't agreed with that. Thinking, and this was one of those thinking, when Barbara asked me, would you pray about going? And see, my deal was, I assumed I was supposed to go until God said no. I was just full of adventure and wanting to go. And so this was like, really, you're inviting me to go? So Lisa's like, um, so where does Barbara want you to go? I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to tell you. Anyway, I told her, and she's like, what, Iraq? Are you kidding? Do you realize there's a war going on over there? Like, no, honey, I haven't watched any news whatsoever. I didn't know there was a war going on. Anyway, so Lisa wasn't too happy about the request. But she did what she's always done. I said, will you at least pray about it? And she said, yes, I'll pray about it. And then she prayed, and then she came back a few days, and she said, I'm okay with you going as long as you're not, you don't have to fly in or out of Baghdad. And I said, oh, that's easy because we're not. We're, we were going to land in Amman, Jordan, and drive into Iraq and then drive back out. So there was no flying out, in or out of Baghdad. So we're good. We're good. Two days later, Barbara called me, and she goes, hey, uh, so I, I, um, the provision was there. The peace was there conditionally, kind of, sort of, as long as we didn't fly out in, in and out of Baghdad. So Barbara called, and she said, hey, um, change in plans. I was praying, and the Lord told me that we need to fly or drive into Baghdad, but we need, um, excuse me, we need to drive into Iraq, but we need to fly out of Iraq. And I said, what airport are we flying out of? Because I know it's not Baghdad. I just, I just know it's not Baghdad. And she said, yes, Baghdad. I'm like, oh, good to go. So I told my wife, I said, hey, Barbara said that the Lord said that we need to do this and this and this. And Lisa's like, okay, I'm okay with that. So Lisa had total peace in that situation. Now, understand at that time, we, had five, we only had five kids at the time. They were all boys. They were 12, 11, 8, 6, and a few months. Benjamin was a few months old. Now, we're talking about me leaving the country, going across the world, and leaving this lady with my five kids, these young kids. And she had peace. She had peace about that. And she had the perfect opportunity to partner with fear and worry. The perfect setup. The perfect opportunity for her to partner with fear and worry. Because I realized that I needed to tell my mom that I was going to Iraq. I was like, I got to tell my mom. Because my thought was, I'm going to wait till I get back. And I said, oh, mom, guess where I went? You know, and then she could freak out and then be excited because I'm back and everything. So I called her and I said, hey, mom, you know, 
talk about the weather and all kinds of stuff. Then I said, oh, by the way, I'm going on another mission trip. She goes, oh, really? Where? Are you going to Mexico again? Not exactly. I told her I was going to Iraq. You know, freak out. You know, hold the phone away from your ear. You know, hear the freak out mode and everything. She wasn't happy and all that. She goes, why are you going to Iraq? And, of course, I gave her the right answer because God told me to. But she wouldn't have any part of that. She was, give, me, give the phone to Lisa. <laughs> Let me speak to it. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. The two most powerful ladies in my life are about to have a summit in my bedroom to determine the fate of me, whether I'm going across the world or not. And so Lisa went in the bedroom, shut the door, and then she came out a while later. Uh, I don't remember how long the conversation lasted, but it was a little while, and, and I was sweating bullets. And I came out, and she handed the phone back to me. I said, hello. And I can't remember what my mom said, but she still wasn't happy. But anyway, ended up hanging up the phone, and I talked to Lisa, and I was like, well, what happened? And basically, Lisa told her, she said, um, this is what God's wanting us to do. This is God's will for our life. And then she says, you know, I, I can trust the Lord. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. That was her verse. That was the truth. God, can I trust you in this? Because, see, as she was praying for peace, if I should go or not, it's like, God, what about me and the kids? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. But here's something even Further that Lisa said to my mom, she says, I don't just trust the Lord that he'll take care of us. I trust him even if I don't get what I want. In other words, there were no guarantees that I was coming back home. So she wasn't saying, I'm trusting God to, to protect my husband and bring him back safely, and that's why I have peace. That wasn't it. She says, I trust God even if I don't get what I, what I want, which is she wanted me back. You did, right? You wanted me back? Just making sure. I don't want to speak out of turn. What? Oh, yeah, that's right. I had to come back. Got a girl. Got a girl. So anyway, so she was, so that's where her thought process was. Now, remember, those of you who were here a few weeks ago when she shared the, the battles that she had with fear. What if my husband dies in a car accident? Now, we're talking about me going to Iraq. Whole different playing field, right? And she had peace because she chose to come into agreement with God's word concerning the situation, that she could trust in him with all of her heart. And so she gave me her peace and blessing as I went across the world. So number five, we must come into agreement with God's truth concerning our situation. And number six, we must reconceptualize the situation. In other words, see it from a different perspective. We have to learn to see things, our situations, from a different perspective if we're going to change the way we're thinking. You know, when I began to tell my friends that I was going to Iraq, I kept getting this response or reaction. What? Are you crazy? Do you realize there's a war going on over there? These are my Christian friends. And it's interesting because a lot of us do this often is... We base our yes to Jesus based on if the circumstances are favorable or not. 
You know, if Jesus said, son, will you go to Iraq? Will you go on this trip? Well, am I going to stay safe? Am I going to come back all right? If you say yes, then I'll say yes. That wasn't the exchange. He said, son, will you go? He said, yes, I will go. With fear and trembling. But I will go. I'll get to the fear and trembling in a second. I'll explain that in a minute. So what I, the Lord helped me to see this from a different perspective. Because people would say, do you realize how dangerous it is over there? And even recently, I'm in the police station talking to police, to the popo, as some people would say. <laughs> They're talking about, you know, hey, where are you going? And we're talking about mission trips and all that kind of stuff. And I talked about going to Mexico. And they're like, oh, man, the cartel is really, you know, cartel activity is really this and this. Like, I'm fully aware of that. But I don't say yes to Jesus based on the circumstances. And see, therein lies a lot of our problem. We say yes if the circumstances are favorable. God, if you jump through these hoops, then I'll think about saying yes. We forget who's the one who's the king, and it's, it's not me. When he says, will you do this? Will you come with me? Will you say yes? It's yes, because I trust you. Yes, because you are Jesus and I'm following you. So he began to help me and my perspective changed to where I believed, and I still do, that I am safer in Iraq in the will of God than I am in Walmart out of the will of God. I mean, how horrible will it be for me to be in Walmart and a bag, a 50-pound bag of cat food falls on my head and breaks my neck? <laughs> Pastor got taken out in aisle five. That'd be horrible. So my perspective is, I believe God will take care of me wherever I'm at. Whether I'm at Walmart or whether I'm in Iraq, in the battle zone. Our perspective has to change. We have to see things from a different perspective. Amen? And here's what happened when I got over there. So I get over there, and then I realize we're about to drive. We land in Amman, Jordan, and we're at a base there, and then we're going to drive into Iraq the next morning. And then I realize, wait a minute, two things. One, I forgot to buy insurance. I had every intention. It was on my notes or my checklist or whatever, I had every intention of buying insurance to take care of my wife, and I forgot. So if something were to happen to me, we're talking about a stay-at-home mom with five kids, no income, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. And here's the other thing. Every trip I've been on up to that point, when I'm planning on going, when I say yes to the Lord, and then I'm, I'm working on going, he had always given me my assignment for when I got back, every time. So in other words, he would say, son, when you get back, I want you to do this. Now, why is that important? I knew I was coming back. For the first time, no assignment. Zero. And you know when I realized that? When I re had this revelation about midnight, we're about to leave at about 5 in the morning, and about midnight, I'm still awake, and I'm realizing I forgot insurance, and I have no guarantee from the Lord that I'm coming back. I literally, I thought I was not going to come back. I really thought that the Lord was calling me on a mission, uh, uh, an assignment, and I was going to be martyred or whatever. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I don't remember how many hours it took me 
But at the end of the wrestling match, I said, Lord, I'm yours. I'm going. And I was not concerned about my life. I was not concerned about, what if I die? What if something happens to me? Those AK-47s are scary. What? I was not concerned about that. I was concerned about, I didn't get insurance. What's going to happen to my wife and five kids? That's what I was struggling with. But you know what God's word says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Was I going to choose to partner with what his truth says? Or was I going to, but God, you don't understand. I'm, you know, I can be in freak out mode. And I was in freak out mode for a while. Until I said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Now, here's the crazy thing. After I submitted and surrendered, 